eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. Also of Dogs 24-7, it's game week. Georgia Clemson game week is here. All right, this is this is like Christmas for me. Ready to get the season started. Ready for some real football. I always kind of hold myself out of watching all of the kind of the lead up football. That way, just the the real stuff hits harder, guys. The real stuff gets you gets you better, and uh, and and that's what that's what I've kind of done. And and I know you guys have probably. I know Rusty's watched a lot of football. I'm sure Kip has too. He's a big Falcons fan. He's probably been all over the preseason thus far. So there's a there's a lot to talk about because Kirby Smart spoke with the media day, as did JT Daniels for the first time since SEC media days. Uh, we, we also spoke to John Fitzpatrick, got a little news there, and the Kobe Dean. Uh, and, and, guys, let's get into this Kirby Smart press conference. Um, I'm going to give my take on it a little later on. But, Rusty, I want to throw it to you first. You've seen the press conference. You've seen kind of what came out of it. Nothing super earth-shattering, but a takeaway. we got three of us. Let's do three takeaways. What's your takeaway? Um, I think the first one is, is JT Daniels. I mean, you look at him, and this is a guy that's been here now for a full year. Uh, the continuity he's had with the guys in the offseason. I think, you know, him talking about the culture of football in the South. Uh, he talked about landing at the airport. Uh, driving into Athens for the first time, which is crazy. This guy never even took a visit uh, to Georgia before he signed with Georgia. Uh, but he talked about driving into Athens. He talked about, uh, you know, CNGs and flags and billboards coming in. And he said he kind of knew at that point that, that this was different. Uh, football here was different. He said he's always been that way. It's been, you know, he's been programmed or just the way he's wired is that football is such a big deal to him. So, I think just looking at him and listening to his comments and what he said today about, you know, yes, there were some injuries at wide receiver, but, you know, guys got to step up. This team's been recruited, you know, this 85-man roster is deep. It just means that some guys that haven't got a chance to play yet have got to step up. And, uh, you know, really just talking about some key things, I think, talking about facing, you know, SEC uh, defensive lines, the pressure you see in the SEC. He knows this Clemson defensive line is elite. He talked about getting the ball out of his hands on time. And, um, you know, I, just it's not just coach speak kind of thing. I mean, that's what he's talking about are legit things and things that he's learned over the last year since being – last year and a half since being in Athens, being a Georgia Bulldog, starting some games and 
coming into such a national game this week with with uh, with Clemson. So I really just think that that's the right things you want to hear from a, a, a experienced guy, your quarterback. Uh, I've said it before, you know, this is the guy that the team's got to believe in. Ten other guys in the huddle have to think that JT Daniels is our guy. You know, you earn that respect through practices and camps and off-season workouts, and it's certainly very clear that JT Daniel is the leader of this football team, and we're going to find out where he is Saturday night. I thought it was interesting, Rusty, how Kirby was like, Hey, I don't, I don't have any concerns about JT. I don't have any concerns about JT's preparation. I don't have any concerns about how he's going to handle this or he's going to handle that. And, you know, listen, this, this could be just a head coach that is trying to take some pressure off of his quarterback. But I don't know. There's been a lot of if – you, if you read Kirby's comments all summer long, anytime we've gotten a chance to talk to him since the spring, even during the spring – there just seems to be a lot of confidence in that kid. And, and then when you speak to him and you see him speak, you kind of understand why. I mean, he, kinda, he, he had one of the most – and listen, I, this is not going to cause him to throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns and lead Georgia to a win over Clemson, okay? But as a person, had one of the most impressive comments that I've heard when he was asked about how he battles his nerves. He said that he just acknowledges what nerves are, and that's basically your body's response to something meaning a lot to you. And to me, I was like, you know, that's a really mature thing, way to go about it. You know, you, you're looking at the mental side of things. JT Daniels should be fine. And, um, you know, he, he has been fine. He has been been really good since that first week or so of spring practice or, or, or preseason practice and uh, in that first scrimmage. But a lot of confidence in, from Georgia's players and Kirby Smart in JT Daniels, his preparation and the, and the way he handles things mentally. Kip, what was your takeaway? I know Georgia got a commitment <laughs> right there at the end of the Kirby thing. So you haven't had a chance to maybe dive into this as deeply, but what was, what was a takeaway for you after that press conference? Kind of just reading what you had kind of reported earlier in the morning that, you know, tied in John Fitzpatrick, it all signs were leading to him being back and, and ready to go. And, you know, last week, the, the whole narrative, and it seemed like just everyone's discussion was about just how banged up Georgia was. And how here we are game week, and it seems like Georgia's kind of getting healthier, you know, and getting guys back. Not just Fitzpatrick, but also it looks like Kiaris Jackson's going to be able to play. But really with Fitzpatrick with, you know, that position and how important we, we discussed how important that position was going to be in this game. Getting a guy that you can depend on in Fitzpatrick, a guy who has experience, who is basically a returning starter from, from last season. I think that's just huge for Georgia because Fitzpatrick, it's, you know, we talked about Darnell Washington. We talked about that position. The guys that they're bringing in, extremely talented. Fitzpatrick's a really, really good football player. He can do a little bit of everything, you know, as far as that edge blocking. I mean, that's that's going to be a key factor in this game is how Georgia's front can, can really handle Clemson's defensive front. I mean, that's the strength of their football team. So having a guy like Fitzpatrick in there that you can line up and, and kind of help you out there on the edge, that's got to help you know, really make Todd Monk and the whole coaching staff feel better. And, and again, he's a guy who could help you out there in the passing game as well. And and really someone who's going to help JT Daniels. You know, those calls are coming in for the sideline. He's a guy that can really help him make sure everyone's lined up correctly and make sure that the, they're calling the right play. He's uh, He really can help every single facet of the offense. So getting him out there, I mean, that, that that's just a huge addition for Georgia's offense. And, really JT Dangle's confidence. That's something that 
I think it's going to be really important in, in early stages of this game, such a huge matchup, you know, everyone's watching, having someone you can depend on in John Fitzpatrick, I think is just a big bonus for this team, this offense. Just overall, their chances of coming out strong early in this football game. You know, Rusty had brought up the idea of of Georgia putting a a, a tight end number on another offensive lineman, and and there's no doubt in my they, they'll probably still do that. I mean, they, mm-hmm. that's something that they did whether they needed to last year or not, uh, or, or last couple years or not, they, whether there were injuries or not, right? But having Fitzpatrick there, having a six seven, two hundred fifty pound guy who is who, you know, as JT Daniels mentioned, he he fixes things up front. I mean, that's something you normally hear about a quarterback, but but John Fitzpatrick fix, fixes things. He helps get things lined up correctly. Sometimes things don't come in exactly like they're supposed to from the sideline. He's a guy that can kind of correct those issues, but you also got to cover him. Rusty, you didn't have to cover Amarius Mims if they that's put right. number 41 on him and yeah. ran him out there. You don't have to really cover that guy, yeah. maybe in the goal line. But yeah. but you got to cover John Fitzpatrick and and listen he's he's not Darnell Washington after the catch he's not Eric Gilbert before or after the catch but he showed last year he can make a big player too if you need it and and that double threat right there to me is a big deal and and actually maybe even changes the way I look at this game a little bit knowing that hearing his comments and him say and, and let's get into this too John Fitzpatrick basically said listen I was banged up but I still practiced throughout preseason. And to me, that's a big deal because there's nothing – there's a lot of zero-gravity stuff that Georgia can do to help these guys stay in shape, and there's the bike, and there's all that stuff. But that hand-to-hand combat and that, that that you know, football shape is a little tougher to get into. And Rusty, just knowing that he was able to stay engaged and, and, and continue to practice throughout the preseason, I think should make Georgia fans feel a lot better. Yeah, and, you know, you, you talk about – you can imagine what Fitzpatrick was thinking. Um, you know, Eric Gilbert, you start hearing him talking of Eric Gilbert coming, and uh, you already got Donnell Watson, you got Brock Bowers, and you're sitting there thinking, man, this room's about to get really, really crowded. Even though Eric Gilbert, you know, was playing wide receiver, there were some talks of moving him back and forth between some rooms. So, regardless, you got to start thinking. But it's one of those things where you just say, hey, look, you never know how this thing's going to play out. You never know how – you know, this thing's going to play out over the next two months, over the summer, into the season. And all of a sudden, John Fitzpatrick's sitting here after the, the Monday of Clemson week, and he's the number one topic. He's the number one discussion of what Georgia fans want to know. Is John Fitzpatrick playing this week? I mean, here's a guy that, you know, nobody's really talking about in June. You don't even get a, we don't even get a question about him on the board. Now we get two weeks into August, and everything happens, and all these injuries happen. And every day, Jake, you're getting is Fitzpatrick back. So, we you know, need John Fitzpatrick. I mean, John Fitzpatrick's got to be here. You know what I mean? So you go back and look at all these things and how quickly things can change and what a blessing it is to have someone, number one, of his size, number two, with his experience, number three, physicality, and a kid that can catch the ball. Is he an athletic freak? Is he a kittle? No, he's not. But he can catch the ball. He can hurt you with his size and certainly can be an inline blocker. So in the Georgia offense, that's a big deal. To get him back, I think Brock Bowers is a guy that we all three, uh, whoever we talk to, all agree that he's going to be a really good football player. But, man, it's asking a lot of him to go into Clemson and be the one and only kind of dog, you know, be the guy. So I think Brock Bowers probably feels a little bit better, too, knowing that somebody like Fitzpatrick's there. I know JT Daniels made comments about him. He's glad he's there. So 
you know, it's, it's one of those things, man, how quickly things can change. The, the, the mood of the Georgia fan base, the move of our message board, the junkyard, Dogs 247. When you came in this morning and said Fitzpatrick's back, I mean, hell, you might as well just have said that Georgia signed a five-star tight end that's eligible this week because uh, it made fans happy. And I know that uh, that Georgia coaching staff is excited to have him back. Yeah, and, and one thing I'll point to as well, um, you look back at that Arkansas game, and I'm not sure if it was Georgia's first touchdown, if it was the second. It was one of those. Arkansas tries to throw the umbrella out, I believe, in like a third down or a second down and, and goals type situation. I believe there was like six, seven yards, maybe maybe nine, whatever. They tried to throw the umbrella out. They, they wanted to max out a zone and, and maybe force Stetson Bennett into a mistake. But John Fitzpatrick, a third-year player at the time, now a fourth-year player, knew where to go, settled right into the zone. They threw it to him. He made one turn, dove into the end zone, touchdown. That, that kind of play, you know, Josh Pate and I did this podcast you know, a couple, two or three weeks ago, and we talked about those those types of plays, those third and sixes, those second and eights, those those goal line or, or goal to go situations. They're huge, and John Fitzpatrick's the kind of player that he's played enough football. Listen, Rusty Kip nor myself, okay, are going to go create an NCAA football 2021, okay, and and put John Fitzpatrick as a 98 rated tight end, okay? He's not. He's a good player. But but more than anything, he's what George he, he's with, with Darnell Washington and Eric Gilbert not in the fold. He's what Georgia needs. Georgia Georgia does not need all three of those guys missing right now, and and having John Fitzpatrick's there, the, John Fitzpatrick in the fold is huge. I know folks are probably tired of hearing us say his name over and over again because I feel like I've said it twenty times in the past five seconds. <laughs> but but it, it's a big deal, and and I think it's a big deal for Georgia's run game more than anything because I, I just feel like. You look back at that Ohio State game last year and how Trey Sermon really had some success against Clemson. I don't expect Georgia to go out there and rush for 250, 300 yards against Clemson, but Georgia's going to be tough to beat if they rush for 175. They're going to be really tough to beat. Rush for 200 is going to be really tough to beat. So, you know, you start looking at that type of things, and that that stuff becomes more feasible uh, with John Fitzpatrick uh, in the fold and, and able to play. I'm going to go – a little bit different on this because it just not necessarily that it means anything as far as this game, but it kind of threw me for a loop a little bit, guys. Kirby more than once thought about the idea that, Hey, listen, this game, he knows going into it and he understands that people are going to make this game a measuring stick. They're going to base a lot of this 2021 season on what Georgia does in game one. But at the end of the day, Georgia's got 11 more games to go. And I know personally something I reported this morning, I'm not putting my season predictions out just yet because I don't know how I'm going to pick this first game. My Monday lean right now is Georgia, but I got Georgia going 11-0 and in the next 11. So, <laughs> I mean, all the goals are still on the table after that. And that's something I think everybody listening to this podcast, everybody that reads our work needs to understand is, yeah, this is a measuring stick. This is a top five matchup. This is huge. Georgia's taking a young football team in some areas and an experienced football team in some areas into the season. But it's not the end-all, be-all, and, and you've still got 11 twelfths of a regular season to go after this, and Georgia's going to be favored in every game after that. So I just thought it was interesting that that came up in the Clemson Media Day press conference with Kirby Smart, and I, and I thought it was interesting how he was like, listen, I know how you guys are going to treat it, but every game's a measuring stick to him, and you know when that game's over, they're going to focus on UAB. Uh, but but that that's this is a game that I, I, I fear – 
for us because we're going to have to deal with it that that people are going to put way too much into it. Sure, it's a huge game if you win it, and it sucks if you lose it. But Kip, at the end of the day, if you don't win it, it's – I mean, we're not canceling the season. No, we're not, and they still have every goal – you know, attainable for them if they don't win that game. But we've also said this before, if they don't win that game, then the path to achieving their goal is clear. You you got to win in Atlanta and then that's it. So, you know, we can put out our season predictions. It could have Georgia getting to Atlanta and it probably will across the board, but it's what happens in Atlanta that matters. And you have no margin for error if if, if you lose this game to Clemson. I mean, you're still you're still giving it, you know, putting it in other people's hands if you don't take care of business in Atlanta. But if you go in there twelve and zero and play a close game, it's still you're going to be tough unless there are other three other conference champions that just run the table. It's going to be tough for them not to put Georgia in the playoff if they go in and lose, you know, a close game to Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M, whoever comes out of the West and plays in Atlanta. So. I mean, Kirby's right. I mean, their their goal is obviously to win this game, but they know if if you know if they come out of this game zero and one, that they still can do everything they want to do this season. But now you have to run the table. You you got to win twelve games in a row at that point, and I mean, not many teams do that. It doesn't happen a lot at all. I mean, everyone talks. Alabama obviously set the standard. They don't do that. They rarely run the table as well. You know, so Kirby's right. And you have, I mean, that you could put that message out there. This game is as big as, as what people are, are saying, but I mean, it is really huge. It's a tone setter. It's a measuring stick for where Georgia is, healthy or not, overall as a program. And I mean, it's the most anticipated game of the year for a reason. I mean, this is not a playoff elimination game. But it is technically, I mean, it's it's a resume setter for the playoff. You win this game, you already have that feather in your cap to show this playoff committee that, I mean, you won a top five game. And that's one of those rare, rare victories that, I mean, few programs get that kind of game during the regular season to be able to show them, hey, we basically just won what amounts to a playoff game in, in week one. So there's a lot of value in the game. It doesn't eliminate them. It just, again, the margin of error becomes zero at that point. I liken it a little bit to that Notre Dame game in in the way that it has a chance to be a jumping off point. Georgia did go on to lose a game. I don't think there's an Auburn waiting on this schedule, uh, not like that Auburn team uh, waiting on this schedule for Georgia. But I do think that this can be a jumping off point. And not only that, if you look at what happened after that Notre Dame game that year, Georgia went on – it was a jumping off point to the point that Georgia went out there and just threw haymakers and landed every single one of them until that Auburn game. I mean, they beat the crap out of Mississippi State, Tennessee, Vanderbilt. I mean, it was just it was there was right hook, left hook. They were knocking everybody down, and it was a, there was almost a if you were a fan, it was a stress free type of of regular season until you got to that Auburn game, and then you kind of ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw there. Um, shout out to Cole Kubelik uh, on Twitter pointed out the last time Georgia lost a season opener, 2013 at Clemson. The last time Clemson lost a season opener, 
2014 at Georgia. This one's going to be at a neutral side. Something's got to give. Let's take a break here real quick. On the other side, we'll talk about Georgia's newest commitment and uh, let Rusty and Kip, uh, like I like to say, wax poetic a little bit about recruiting. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. That's a big old boy. Georgia got Jacob Hood, six foot eight, 342 pounds. Uh, big time priority for Georgia in this class. Second offensive line pledge. Georgia moves up from number five to number three in the 24 7 composite recruiting rankings. All right. And they're number one in the SEC now. And they've got five fewer commitments than the number two team, Notre Dame, and I think eight less than the number one team, which is Penn State. Uh, Rusty, what do you know about Jacob Hood? What do you know about where he was on Georgia's board? It is probably, other than Orlando Brown Jr., probably the biggest offensive line prospect I've ever covered in person. Um, saw him up in Nashville uh, earlier this summer. Was up there, had a chance to watch him work out. And when I mean work out, you take a six foot eight, three hundred and fifty five pound guy, and he was boxing, and it was it was it was crisp in that gym. Let me just say that. But um, you know, he's not boxing to to go out and try to fight. You know, one of these big guys. He's boxing to uh, create some some mobility, to create some different strength in his body, flexibility with his feet, those types of things. But when you see him, I mean it. And and we've all been in this business now for over ten plus years. And size really don't just kind of freak you out anymore. You've seen big people, but man, it's been a long time since I've seen somebody this big. I mean, this guy is legit 6'8". And I think he became much more of a priority after his official visit to Georgia. I think Georgia kind of, again, they didn't get a chance to meet these kids face-to-face, but he comes up um, and they get a chance to meet him for a weekend, spend some time around him and uh, find out what type of person he is and, you know, where he was and who he is and how big he was. I'm pretty sure it was the longest arm reach they've ever measured on an official visit or anybody's ever come to Georgia under this staff for sure. So uh, I don't know the exact measurement, but he was telling me that it was the, he had the longest wingspan, longest arm they've ever measured. So you take those traits on a guy and obviously you, you're excited about that. I know Miami, uh, really was trying to get him as well. Uh, but, you know, credit to Matt Luke, credit to David Cooper, you know, a guy that you, you see Jacob Hood tagging him in, in, on Twitter as well. And, uh, you know, the new hire, uh, former former Florida recruiting assistant who Georgia kind of filled that Nick Williams role with David Cooper. He comes in late, uh, early in the summer. So he's he's already 
you know, helping land prospects. But when you look at somebody that big uh, and there's only and it, there probably can only be one or two, maybe three guys like that nationwide in a class like this. So when you go out and you land a big six foot eight, 350 pound guy, uh, it's a plus. You got that to work with. I, I do think that he's he's got some he, he's raw. But listen, you work you start with that mold and what you've got is an elite body. Uh, of his frame and size and length. So, uh, you know, is he a kid that starts next year? Probably not. Uh, but where's he at two or three years down the road? I mean, Isaiah Wilson, regardless of what happened in the pros, Isaiah Wilson, we all know that he needed a redshirt year. He all needed a redshirt year. After two more years, he was a first-round draft pick. Now, we, you know, the, what's going on now with him is another whole conversation, but we're talking about finished product coming out of University of Georgia. He came to Georgia – you know, six foot seven, 380 pounds, and he left 340, 335, and a first round draft pick. So, you know, you look at a guy like that, and can Georgia mold Jacob Hood into that type of player? That's certainly the goal, and that's certainly what they're trying to do. Absolutely. And Orlando Brown is, I'm, I'm really glad you brought him up without me having to do it because I, what I'm going to say here is a credit to Orlando Brown. All mm-hmm. right. It's gonna sound like it's not gonna sound like that to begin with, but 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 follow me here. I watched that kid in high school. I would have lost every single bet that anybody wanted to place. I would have lost my house, my land, my money, my livelihood, betting that he wouldn't be a good college football player. No. And and let me tell you something, I would have confidently borrowed money from everybody I knew to bet you that he would never play in the NFL. The thing because, on him, Jake, the thing on him too, Jake, not to cut you off. I'm with you a thousand percent. Like yeah. he, he was kind of a buzz moving down here. Everybody's like, oh, this big kid from Maryland mm-hmm. coming, his dad's. We all see him like, oh, my goodness. Like, he, yeah. oh, he can't even get in the three-point stance. He was going to South Carolina State the morning of signing day. He was going to South Carolina. So, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, everybody passed on him. Everybody. Oklahoma had some guys. They didn't win some battles. And at the last minute, go, oh. We'll take a chance on this big body kid out of Atlanta. He's got some blood good lines. decision. You know what I mean? What a roll of the dice to get yeah. him because how important was he, even on that Rose Bowl team? But Jake, you can keep on going. I just want to kind of get the backstory. That kid had a long way to go in high school. Yeah, I would I, listen. I I can't remember. I think they may have been playing Mill Creek. Uh, it may have been during that Kelsey Griffith fiasco that that what Kip and I, Kelsey Griffith fiasco that I covered. But I think they played Mill Creek that night that, that I didn't cover. The, the, the Rusty <laughs> didn't get the memo on it. Was not there. Me, Kip, and Kristen Ledlow from NBA TV. Uh, we, uh, I think it was that night. He didn't start. He came into the game. He played a couple series, and he came off, and he was very emotional about how how badly he was struggling in that game. Like he was just getting he was getting beaten constantly. And not by Kelsey Griffin, you know. And I just – I would have bet everything, that, it, but he did. And it was because those raw tools were there. He was a blank canvas for for a coaching staff, and they were able to make it happen. And Kip and I were actually talking about it earlier. And Kip, we, we started going down the list of, of guys of comparable size that we've ever kind of covered. And it's not a very long list, is it? No, uh, I mean, I went down that rabbit hole of, of guys I covered over 16 years of recruiting that had, you know, maybe not greater size, but a comparable size. And it was it was like three guys, you know, I, it was Bobby Massey, Trenton Brown, Orlando Brown. And then that was basically it. And honestly, I think Orlando grew an inch or two in college. I think he was, you know, pushing six, six at the time. 
you know, uh, at Peach Ridge's legit size. And, and as you said, you know, he got benched. I mean, a guy that got benched, you know, for his own high school is not a guy that you, you think is going to make it at the next level, but you never know how they're going to react to getting that kind of coaching and getting that kind of motivation and just someone taking a chance on them. And that's where the evals really, I mean, they're really important. Like we find guys with size, but it's tough to evaluate how these linemen are handling being that big. You know, they're not, they haven't grown into their body yet and they're, and they don't know how to use that size advantage. Sometimes with defensive linemen, it's tough because you, you see them just manhandling guys that are, that are smaller than them. Well, for offensive linemen, the size difference can hurt you in high school. You know, it's tough to eval a guy who loses because he's bigger than everybody else. I mean, the guys are, you know, much quicker than him, even though they're smaller. If you can't get your hands on them, you know, you're going to whiff a lot of that level. And sometimes, you know, at the next level, the light comes on. And and definitely Orlando was a guy, the light definitely came on for him, and they won a big eval. And, it, I mean, if any school can take a guy that's maybe a little too big for his own good right now, it's Georgia. Because the trend for a long time has been finding guys that are basically tied in size and, you know, helping them get stronger and add good weight and then grow into being an offensive tackle or guard. Well, Georgia has taken several guys, like you mentioned, Rusty, Isaiah Wilson, but also, I mean, guys like Jamari Sawyer, Trey Hill, they've taken guys that are over 340 pounds coming out of high school. Andrew, Andrew and, Thomas. Yeah, Andrew Thomas. They've showed up on campus bigger than what they needed to play at, and, and they've worked – with them and help them get into playing shape and adapt and adjust. And another thing that's going to help, I mean, that Georgia humidity, that, that'll shed five, 10 pounds, two or three practices. You know, he'll be out, he'll be 328 pounds, you know, on, on the, on the second day of practice out there. So, you know, this is a guy that we know that Matt Luke, you know, he identified and made him a priority and, in a class like this where Georgia's only taken maybe three guys, here we are, you know, the season hasn't started and, and Georgia's got two two guys on board, you know, that they had on campus that they worked out on the offensive line. So I think, you know, Jacob Hood fits what they're looking for. It's a good addition to this offensive line group. And now, I mean, Matt Luke can pin his ears back and go, you know, toward one more guy. If that's Ernest Green out of, of uh, St. John Bosco, Maybe that's the guy, a guy that's going to be coming, you know, on campus for an official visit next month. Bad on a school like Ohio State for an offensive lineman that's a top 100, 100 prospect. It's just one of those position groups where a month or two ago, everyone was saying, is, is Georgia going to be able to find any offensive lineman? And we said, well, this, this O-line class is different across the board nationwide. Not a strong group at the top. Georgia got guys on campus, worked them out, set their board, has two guys on board they feel good about now. And I think that down the road, maybe three years, we'll be talking about this group helping them out a lot on the offensive line because they've built death on the offensive line. They don't need either of these two guys. They shouldn't need them to come in and start next year. You give them two, maybe even three years in a program, and you're looking at guys who have that developmental upside to really, really turn out to be 
good players. They're guys worth rolling the dice on. And they're guys that, again, have a lot of things that you can't coach. I mean, that wingspan, that's that's something that, I mean, that's that's what got him, that's what got him the first look. And now he's showing you, if you look at the commitment article that Steve Wolfong has on Dogs 24-7, the guy's working hard on his own. He's He's got the drive to make himself the best offensive tackle he could possibly be. And if if that, you know, bears fruit, if he continues that same mindset, then yeah. I mean, that that checks all the boxes you want in offensive line prospects. So I think it's a big get for, for Matt Luke. And I think Georgia's class continuing to take shape, 16 commitments, you know, heading into September with a lot of guys that could be trending their way. You know, uh, if everything holds right and their visits go well, this 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 overall, this this group of commitments is, is starting to look a lot better once again than what it looked like a couple months ago. And I'll say this, too. This is a kid that's 30-something spots out of four-star range. Uh, he, he's right there kind of on that cusp between three and four-star. Could be a top 247 kid before everything's said and done. We don't know. Uh, but, Rusty, something I want to pose to you. How many offensive linemen and, – and listen, this isn't to say, oh, man, this is a great eval. Jacob Hood's going to be a superstar. I'm not – I don't know. I, I mean – Again, I just showed. I, I just told you about how ignorant I was with Orlando Brown, and how bad I missed that one. Okay, uh, and by the way, you, Rusty, you talk about the first big one you see. Trent Trenton Brown was was the big biggest one I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, still not, still I showed up good. at I showed up at Georgia Military one time, and it looked like a dinosaur walking amongst humans that day. I've never seen a human being. That I big. saw Trenton Brown come out full uniform with the dress shoes and all, and I'm telling you, those two shoes are like canoes. <laughs> I mean, the, those things. Canoe you brown. I mean, you could ride. You could have sat in one of those things and and float a river on a Sunday. Um, but uh, that that Trent Brown, Orlando, you know, and you know, Tunsil was six six and a half uh, as far as a big guy. But yeah, I think you are spot on with Trent Brown. That's 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 where it is. But I, I think kind of the raw. I, Jacob Hood is way. He is way ahead of Orlando Brown. Way ahead. Yeah. Orlando. I mean, I but, never but, thought. But how many? Let me ask you this: mm-hmm. How many guys? And I'm not going to call out any names, but I've got a yep. few in mind, and you can probably yep. remember. How many six two, six three, two hundred and eighty pound stone cold killers, mm-hmm. high school offensive linemen, have you seen? And you're just like, man, that 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 dude is a football player. He's yep. a dude. He goes to college. It gets lost. It happens all the time. It happens but, so often. To me, to, to me, offensive line is the hardest to evaluate because you don't know, uh, you don't know how they're going to react when everybody is a as big or bigger. You know what I mean? Because in high school, they're the dominant guy. Nine times out of ten, if a guy's getting recruited to Georgia, Florida, Alabama, uh, they are the most dominant lineman, uh, you know, in the game. I, I mean, I specifically remember going to see Dylan Fairchild last year and. You guys know I'm sky high on him, but I mean Dylan Fairchild was throwing kids around, and when I mean literally throwing kids around, he was throwing kids around. I mean, here's a six foot five, three hundred pound state heavyweight wrestling champ, you know, and th- whatever seventy and oh. So you know he was strong and all, but I never saw Dylan Fairchild go against anybody the same size, quickness that he's seeing right now in Athens. I guarantee if we talked to Dylan Fairchild, if we were able to get him on here. I bet you Dylan Fairchild would tell us, oh, my gosh, you know, this is a whole new world. And that's what every freshman in the country is going through right now. So we're not picking on him. But getting back to your point, the evaluation part to me is so hard 
uh, to do offensive line. But I know this, when that guy walks in, Jacob Hood walks into the Rutzmere, uh, he's going to be the biggest guy in the room. Uh, so, you know, that's a great place to start. And when you start talking about you're the biggest guy in the room at the University of Georgia, that's saying a lot in the offensive line room. Yeah, and this goes back to the Orlando Brown thing. It's something I said to Kip earlier. He went to college. He got punched in the nose. He got his nose bloodied, and he responded like a man. You know, he and and I don't mean to sound misogynist when I say that, but he 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 knuckled up and got ready to play football. And that's something you don't know. You know, you can try to know. You can do everything you can. You can ask the janitor and the kid that kicked his butt growing up, and his big brother, and everything else. But you don't really know how they're going to handle that till they get to college. And 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 what you can do is you can recruit the guys with the raw tools, like Kip said. You can recruit the ones that that have the stuff you can't teach, and and try to make sure you're getting the ones that are going to get their nose bloodied and respond the right way. And then you've got a player. But we can, it takes all get, of that. We can get into all Jake. We can get into stuff that nobody wants to hear about the knee bender, waist bender. We can get into all that stuff. But I'll throw one more name at you too. Uh, and it goes back to, let's just be honest, it goes back to a Sam Pittman evaluation. You look at Solomon Kinley, who was 6'5", 380 pounds, at Solomon Kinley, he, he didn't make a blip on our board. I remember when he wound up starting in front of some big-time targets, everybody was like, what are we doing playing this guy? And, you know, two years later, he's a, what, a third, fourth-round pick for the Dolphins. He starts as a rookie. Uh, he changed his body. But, you know, that eval stuff for offensive hey, line. Solomon Kinley – I saw Solomon Kinley for the first time at a Georgia basketball game. He was every yeah. big bit as big as that as that hairy dog blow up dog thing that goes sure. upside down, yeah. right side up, whatever. We, he was just as wide as that thing. We, and we ran that picture for about two years until we finally got him. Him sitting in the bleachers with, you know, making Sam Pittman look tiny for a long time. But uh, you know, these body types, I think people get too much. Listen, these these these. Let's just say the Tyler Booker from IMG this class. Tyler Booker, unless something really really changes is going to be a Sunday football player. Georgia didn't get him, but those types of evals, we all can do. We all can walk in and look at Laramie Thompson and go, I've never seen a human being that could bend like that, ever. I still have never seen a human being that could bend like Laramie Tunsil. Um, Tyler Booker, incredible football player, some of the stuff I've seen on him. But it's these evals like these guys, Jacob Hood. Can you turn this guy who has elite measurement and size into an, a really good college football player. So that's what in the recruiting world, we have to kind of evaluate our guys that are doing this, you know, Steve Wolfong, Andrew Ivan, Greg Biggins, you know, Brandon Huffman, all those guys that make those last calls, you know, somebody has to make that judgment and go, Hey, this guy's not stepping the hips. Uh, he can be better this and that. But for me specifically looking at that, it's a no brainer for Georgia. It's a no brainer in this class to add a human being of this size uh, what I know of him, just meeting him that one time, very polite young man. And for me to see him boxing um, after a morning work, he had football practice in the morning, and then he came and worked out at his gym uh, in the afternoon, and it was warm. Now, I'm saying this is summer, summertime in Nashville, and it was it was smoking hot that day. So it tells me a lot about kind of what he is and what he's made up of on the inside. Guys, let's let these people go. Let's quit Let's quit occupying all these people's times. That's all we got for this episode of Junkyard Dogcast. But before we go, I want to give a shout-out. I've, I've been told that we've got a 17-year-old listener, Jade Stevens, loyal listener. I want to give her a shout-out. I hope she's listening. Uh, her dad told me that they listen to it all the time, listen to the podcast. Cool girl. Know her a little bit. She's awesome. And, let's uh, get her, let's let's get her, her on. Let's 
Get her yeah, on. We, we should get her on. She let's probably knows more about Georgia football than let's both get, of us. Let's, let's get her on. But I uh, hope she's having a great day. I hope she's listening to the show. But for this episode of Jump, Junkyard Dogcast, I'll get her out in a minute. Junkyard Dogcast, that's all we've got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Russ Mansell and Kip Adams from the same place. And you all take it easy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.